We're astro-creeping towards the end of the year with the Metal Shop Podcast episode on White Zombie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. And me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are going in with White Zombie. We're going to do a two-parter, White Zombie, then Rob Zombie. But we're going to start first, obviously, with White Zombie because they they came first. So, when were you... Oh, no, no. We're going to do Metal News first. Metal News. All right. Okay. Yeah, uh, they have... Postpone yet again the Aussie tour uh, into 2023 now. Um, this is a <laughs> this one's twofold because part of it is uh, they're going to be touring Europe with uh, Judas Priest. So I'm over. You know, people are like, "Man, Aussie needs to hang it up." Aussie like this this Aussie tour is never going to end up being finished. And I'm over here like, man, like. We just had, like, a member of Judas Priest almost die on stage, too. So, like, nobody's in, like, tip-top shape right now. But they actually, from what I, what I had been seeing about this is the postponement had to do with COVID still. Oh. Yeah. I don't know too much about that. It could just be an excuse. I don't, I don't know. I think they should just call it at this point. Let Ozzy be. Like, he's fucking old. He's... He's having fun just doing shit in, like, his home, like, recording studio and putting out albums that nobody really wants. Yeah. He's kind of, he's, you know, he's got, like, the Ingve thing going on now where he has the ability to put out as many albums that nobody asks for as he, as humanly possible to keep Sharon happy. Right. The only cool thing about Ozzy is that because he's Ozzy and historically it's just been this way. People will cut him some slack that they don't cut to Don Dokken or Vince Neil or other dudes that are looking like shit on stage or not fucking moving around too good or whatever it is. Ozzy's just like earned or just always been given, you know, where, hey, whatever, it's Ozzy. You know, we, we accept him how he is and we're thankful for what we get. All the way going back from his little uh, frog leaps to the to his sequins in the eighties to whatever, we're just like, okay, right on, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. To Ozzy's credit, whether that be some sweetening with some backing vocals or whatnot, though, when healthy, that's you know, mm-hmm. you got to put that out there. When healthy, he can still be a reasonable facsimile 
of like it's not shitty like mm-hmm. it's like you don't see it go all right that, what a fucking ripoff you know mm-mm, mm-mm. like you know the last couple times i saw black sabbath yeah ozzy wasn't like his prime anymore but like it didn't suck no you know yeah he reads from the teleprompter and shit right and he might fuck up a song if the teleprompter goes out but other than that the vocals they're fine you yeah. know, he's never that's what happens when you're never a great vocalist to begin with is the drop off isn't usually that sharp It's less. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Vince Neil was never a great vocalist either. And his his drop off was steep. Oh, yeah. And but, but, you know, he's up in that high range where he struggles to get to now. Ozzy yeah. never did that. You know, the last uh, time we saw Ozzy and also too the the last um video of you know the end concert or whatever he sounded fine he comes in sometimes a little early or a little late or something you know but eh, that's that's uh quite passable when he's while he's singing it sounds fine sounds like sabbath when we saw him i didn't think uh i didn't think anything was missing from it yeah well ozzy is smart enough too that he adjusted, he adjusts how he sang mm-hmm. to account for the fact that he didn't have, he he's never like he hit higher ranges in the seventies, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to account for the fact instead of trying to do it, he just changed his delivery. Right. You know, like Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. They don't play it. They didn't play it as live as much. But you know, mm-hmm. when you see here when he would do it, you know. It would go from like, you know, the people who have crippled you, mm-hmm. you want to see them burn mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah, you want to see them burn. Like, you yeah. go down with it, you know, instead of hitting a note he can't, he just changed it. Yeah, he used to go high for that. Where do you run to? And now he just keeps it, you know, on that yeah. same level. But, you know, it sounds fine. It's like, a you know. Some of those notes were kind of funky in the days anyways. But yeah. so, yeah, man. I mean, you know what? I think if he I think if he comes, got to fucking go. Fuck it. If he comes here, got to go. You know, cuz fuck it. After all this, it would be anticlimactic to not go. Oh, yeah. And speaking of speaking of tours and Judas Priest, uh Judas Priest, they've obviously they had to postpone their uh, tour with Richie Faulkner almost dying. Mm-hmm. Um, they did say they're going to resume the tour next year. Their 50 years of metal yeah. tour. Um, but because of having to uh, switch that around, uh, it's no longer going to be Sabaton opening for them. It's going to be Queensryche. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I would see it, you know, um, I've seen a lot of people kind of like, oh, man, Queensryche without, you know, without Jeff is fucking, uh, that's not Queensryche. It's a cover band. Mm. And I'm of the camp that, no, fuck it. I didn't like him that much anyway. And Todd LaTorre coming in, they've kind of went back to their heavier sound. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's like a cooler show than what you would see otherwise. Uh with Queensryche. I mean, yeah, Sabaton is sick as fuck, and I would have liked to see them. Yeah, either way would have been cool with me. I love Queensryche. Like I say, everybody knows my history with Queensryche. I loved them when they came out. I loved them with Jeff Tate. 
Then he started wanting to do the different songs and the more silent lucidity type of shit. And his range started going a little bit, which is why he didn't want to sing the old songs. Apart from the fact that he was never Mr. Metal anyway. Yeah. So once they, so, but you know, the last time that I saw them with Jeff Tate, I said I would never see them again because it was whack. I mean, I sat there throughout mostly the whole time, got up for maybe two or three songs. And this last time with uh, with Todd Latore, it was the opposite. I was up the whole time. You know, they all the songs that I like, you know, so. And with a short set opening for a fucking Judas Priest, every song will kick ass. Every Queensryche song will kick ass leading up to, to uh, Priest, which, yeah. of course, you know, has the catalog where <clears throat> it's almost guaranteed all their songs will kick ass. Yeah, I really have been enjoying, like, seeing the set lists for this tour is pretty cool. Like, the fact that they dusted off Rockarola after, like, 40-something years. Have wow. They hadn't played that live. Um, they started playing that on this tour, you know. Wow, that's crazy. So that's kind of a, yeah, no, that's kind of a treat when they're going all the way back to their first album for stuff. That they literally, when they played it... Um, at one of the festivals a few months back, it was like the first time in 40-something years that they it had been played live by Judas Priest type of deal. And it was cool. Yeah, yeah, I would, so. be, I would love to see that. Yep. Now, the thing is, there's only one date in uh, in L.A. and one date in Vegas. Those are like the, and one, I think, one in Arizona, in Phoenix or something. Those are like the closest dates. So, and L.A.'s on a Wednesday um, I think Vegas is on a Sunday. I didn't check the other one. So, like, you have to go out of your way for this one. It's not going to just be, you know, oh, I think, you know, we'll go last minute. You're going to have to, like, make a plan, take off of work, whatever it is. But, you know, to me, man, I mean, again, with some of these bands, with Judas, obviously, anything can happen anytime, and they won't tour anymore. Ozzy, obviously, you know, Sabbath, we went to the last tour, seems like. You know, so Kiss, the fine, you know, so a lot of these bands are getting there. I missed the last time Rush came and I regret it to this day. So, yeah, man, you know, with these with these older bands, you kind of got to see them while you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Sabbath, uh, one last little bit of metal news, I think, before we get into our uh, episode here. Yeah, Iomi released a new song and it's... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a banger, and it's fucking weird that it's to hype a perfume. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know. Is it a perfume? Is it a cologne? Is it like unisex? Like, I can't even get what it is. Right. But it's called Scent of Darkness. Yeah. And in case, there's a video accompanying this, and it's a really cool instrumental. Uh -huh. It is. Some of the some just, he can just go into the box of riffs. Mm-hmm. Anytime he wants and pull out a banger mm -hmm. and it's cool. But in case you didn't know what this was for, they make sure in the video, there's a part where they spray the cologne on him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that was hilarious. I was like, what the fuck? It's so weird. And I don't know. I might, I might, maybe there's a perfume and maybe there's like one for dudes and one for chicks. I don't know. I might get it just as like a, a thing to have a if it's novelty. not like yeah as long as it's not like 150 dollars a bottle or right. some, bu some bullshit right where it's like oh it's made with iomi sweat 
you know <laughs> there's sweat in every bottle like that kind of bullshit like with kiss when they had the comic book that was kiss blood right in the ink that's right that's right pricked their fingers and did a drop of yeah. blood in the in the red ink type of thing right yeah i don't know as long as it's not some gnarly like i might look to see how much it costs and if it's just like a yeah, fun novelty and it actually smells good what the fuck you know right you know the funny thing is i think it's a cologne I mean, I think it's for men, mm-hmm. but in England, they call that shit perfume anyway. They call it yeah. all perfume. So he called it perfume. And he actually, I was reading a thing today where he got hurt over that shit because they delivered a bunch of it to his house and he's supposed to sign the bottles, right? So he got done signing the bottles and putting them back in the box. And there were several boxes and they only sent one guy to come and get them. So he was like helping the guy take the boxes out to the truck and he like stepped wrong on a stair and the the box shifted and tore a tendon in his arm. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. And <laughs> he said somehow it doesn't affect his playing, but he just can't pick up heavy shit no more with that side. So it's like, okay, well, you know, there I mean, definitely paid the price for this fucking perfume thing. I'm hoping he's getting a good check out of it. But like you said, the song is cool. It's a trip listening to him play with a different guitar player. Yeah. I don't know. It bodes well. To me, it bodes well for what might come next because the sound of it and the direction of it and everything, I like. Yeah. So that's good. Well, hopefully if he sits down and does another album, get some guest vocalists in, Mm -hmm. it could be something fun to listen to. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure since he's contributing to Ozzy's album, if he sits down and does that, he'll have an Ozzy track. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, get he could get a couple of a uh, couple of you know Ronnie Romero's and the Doogie Whites and you know those kind of dudes will kill it, man. That you know that would be awesome. I would love to hear that. I think it'd be rad if he reached out and got uh, Ian Gillen to do a track. Oh with yeah, you or know something like that. You know he's yeah. I don't think he would be completely against it. I mean, it would really boil down to how busy he is right. with with Purple, but... I think, uh, yeah, you know, Glenn Hughes is probably a shoe-in. Maybe Tony Martin. Why not, yeah, you know? Yeah, all these dudes that aren't that busy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ron Keel. <laughs> yeah, get a, get Ronnie Keel. Claims to be Sa- uh, Sabbath alum. Rugged Ronnie Keel. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh... Yeah, there's some of those dudes that are like, what? Like, they they breathe near Iomi, and they're a Sabbath alum at this point. Pretty much. You know? Yep. I, if, if, uh, I, I would say if, if Sabbath bought me a plane ticket, then I, that was it. I was in, I was, I was in the band. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, be, between Sabbath, Deep Purple, and Rainbow, like, We've all been in one of those bands at some point. <laughs> Pretty much. I think so, yeah. All right. So, getting on with White Zombie. White Zombie is like one of those bands that, uh, you know, obviously it came in the 90s. Well, for me, um, when did you become aware of White Zombie? Of White Zombie? You know, uh, I'm trying to think of when I became aware, aware. Um, first time I saw White Zombie just in anything, it have to have been, um, in the movie Airheads. 
mm-hmm. in the scenes where they're trying to hunt down the girlfriend and trying to find the uh, the demo tape that she had right. thrown out, and she's in the club and White Zombies playing in the club during that. But I don't, th- I didn't, I didn't know who they were or anything like mm-hmm. that, or if they even were a real band. Um, when I first became aware of them musically. Um, I would have had to have been like a freshman in high school. Um, and that's, you know, I listened to a lot of 91 X, you know, because that's what my friends had on all the time. And, uh, Astro creep or more human than human will be on the radio a lot. Right. Remember even the commercial for 91X, they had um, back in the day, they would do this thing where they'd have old people reading song lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I remember there's just a little old lady that's like reading. like, I am the Astro Creep, a demolition style hell American freak, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, from there on, I kind of was like, oh, this is fucking sick. I like this. The only white zombie album I owned during that time period was actually, <laughs> it was their remix album. They had uh, mm-hmm. super sexy swinging sounds, which was like a, uh, uh, yeah, it was a remix. It's the last, it was the final release for white zombie. And uh, it is just, you know, remixes of old, of old songs that, you know, kind of gave it a more electronic feel. Mm -hmm. And then they had that. I'm your boogeyman, uh, cover on it. But that was during that time period where you kept getting like rock, like alt rock or raw, you know, 
hard rock or metal bands would put out some weird fucking like electronica remix album. Just a terrible time to be alive. And (laughs) it sucked (laughs) because you wouldn't know it until like you weren't sure what you're getting. Like, I remember at the time I liked the band Bush and they did that. And it was literally, mm. I didn't like Bush anymore after I listened to it. Like, <laughs> wow. I was like, this sucks, dude. Like, because it was just all techno remixes of alt rock songs. I'm like, this is bullshit. And that was during that time, though, where everybody was saying that that's going to be the wave of the future is electronica. Right. And that's going to be the new thing. And rock is dying. And this is going to replace it. And then it didn't right. really for a while. Like, it was. You had um, whatever the band is that I'm blanking. Prodigy kind of got big mm-hmm. and the Chemical Brothers and stuff like that. But it was still sort of niche. And then like Ska took off really big. Mm-hmm. Shit like that. Um, yeah. But just a bad time. It sucked if you liked rock music <laughs> because you like or like Megadeth. They kind of had a more electronic sound to that Risk album. Yeah. And shit like that. Um, yeah, so that was my introduction to White Zombie. And, you know, it sucks because my introduction to White Zombie was basically the end of White Zombie. Like, right. Um, you know, they had, well, pro- I guess we'll, I don't know how we'll talk about this in a minute, but, you know, they had four albums. Two of them were good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Rob Zombie went solo. Right. And his whole thing was, uh, it's kind of weird because they he doesn't talk. There isn't a lot of, a lot on why they broke up other than he just said it was just it was time, you know. Yeah. He felt like they did all they were going to do as a band, and figure we might as well just end it while the going is good. Yeah, man. For me, White Zombie was really all about 1992. That was like the whole. Uh, almost scope of when I um, was aware of of White Zombie. And that's basically because I used to hang out at the Body Shop, which was a strip club over there by the sports arena. And uh, they had this weird owner who was this crazy cokehead that looked like a, some kind of weird fucking coke robot, the way he moved and shit. Cause I, I, like they say he used to do so much coke, he would swallow it because his nose was so fucked up, he couldn't fucking, uh, yeah. So this guy was really weird, and he had a lot of really weird rules. And, and, uh, and one of them that was particularly weird for a strip club was no hip-hop. There's no hip-hop at the body shop. So these chicks had to dance one way or another to rock, right? And there was a couple of bands that were that were good for that. For their, you know, your second song banger, chicks learned to uh, dance to Pantera, to you know, Rage Against the Machine, and to White Zombie. And that was so. That was the first time that I, that I can think of that I heard White Zombie in a rotation, where I heard it every couple of days or something, and. Um, I was like, okay, you know, this is this is cool. This is uh heavy and uh it seems to be its own thing. It didn't really um I didn't like it enough to like go back and investigate the band as I usually do. If I hear something I really like, 
I go back to the beginning because I'm thinking I'm going to like that shit even better, right? In this case, good thing I didn't because that old shit is fucking awful. I mean, you know, they call it noise rock and that's a perfect fucking name for it because it was just like noise. It had like some punk elements and shit, but at least punk's like repetitive. This shit was just like kind of free form, kind of, I don't know. Anyways... shit the uh the new shit which was thunder kiss 65 which i always for whatever reason i always call that song thunder pussy <laughs> i don't know why maybe because i became aware of it at a strip club yeah. and i liked it and there was a good chance also that i caught that original broadcast of beavis and butthead because i was a beavis and butthead fan and they you know used to do the the video clips and do their whole spiel about it and their thing about about the Thunder Kiss was they loved it. This was the best shit ever. Why don't they show this video fucking 24 hours a day? What, you know, whatever, whatever. It really worked out. I'm going to go back to this later too. But it really worked out for them because supposedly their album sales were around 50,000 albums when that episode hit. And by the end of the month, it was like 500,000. So that was a pretty good jump for them. You know, sometimes it happens that way. I mean, in, I would say, you know, the, the 90s were kind of the beginning of things going viral, in a sense. That's for sure what happened with them. And then um, in 92, I also saw them with Pantera. They opened for Pantera. Really, I mean, you know, from, from what Pantera was doing at that time and what they were doing at that time was a little bit similar. You know, that they had the same, like... Um, they kind of got a... Yeah, they got a groove... To it. Yeah, you know, but obviously the thing was that I, you know, I like Pantera better because they had Dimebag and solos and, you know, and that was one of the reasons that I never could really get into White Zombie that much is they didn't have that guitar player. I couldn't understand what any of the fucking lyrics were about, you know, so it, it just, it was kind of one of those where it was just like, yeah, cool, but not with any kind of like depth. Or anything like that. Yeah. what I, That's kind of a, how I felt a little bit about White Zombie also. I think the overall vibe, when they finally kind of figured out their thing on uh, 
uh, Last Exorcisto, Devil Music Volume One, you know, mm-hmm. and then Astro Creep, and then they broke up. Uh, <laughs> they kind of figured out their thing, and Rob Zombie pretty much kind of continued it on his own, but not to the not exactly the same way as with that lineup. But yeah, and you throw out the uh, the noise rock thing. Um, I'm sure we'll put in at least one example <laughs> oh, in the sure, episode sure. so people get a feel for because it really is just there's no structure for the most part you know where they kind of figured out a thing to stand out on their you know and actually you make it listenable right it's kind of interesting because you see some parallels with black sabbath and white zombie other than you know black white they're both named after horror movies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with white zombie and you know rob zombie taking the name rob zombie type of deal mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh where black sabbath sat down and they're like well what if we name the band black sabbath and we write like spooky horror songs basically let's do something like that and you get a bunch of dudes that came up they're you know they're older guys than Rob Zombie obviously so they came up on a different kind of horror mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now Rob Zombie when he's starting to craft this image a white zombie he's kind of taking well what if we make music that's kind of like the movies I like to watch mm-hmm. where but while Black Sabbath originally is kind of like old school horror white zombie was like all 70s exploitation right was the main influence there and that's in a lot of the songs and the you know the intros to songs all sound like you know the stinger you would see at the beginning of a a trailer for a 70s exploitation movie mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they kind of lean into this trashy element of cinema right in there you know in their inspiration for their sound. Right. And also that type of music around that time period. So when you listen to, you know, white zombie, you hear so much, you kind of hear that seventies funk in there sometimes Mm -hmm. with, and with the grooves that are in it, you hear kind of surf guitar Mm -hmm. in it a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of hear rockabilly in it a little bit also. So it's a little bit of porn music. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's an interesting combination, like, yeah, with, like, 
you know, more human than human, it starts with like a clip from a 70s porn movie, mm-hmm. you know, where mm-hmm. the chick getting fucking railed, mm-hmm. um, which was that, that was the style at the time. People mm-hmm. liked it, except for the difference being Rob Zombie was really into like all things 70s and trashy. So he puts a clip from a 70s porn movie in there mm-hmm. and Axl Rose will just fuck your girlfriend next to a microphone. <laughs> right. <laughs> put that on. Put that on tape. You know, yeah. Um, you know, the uh, funny thing about that is that, uh, you know, uh, Rob Zombie's Robert Cummings, mm-hmm. which always trips me out because I think like people that grow up with a name that other kids are going to fuck with, they either become extroverts and like just own everything or they fucking, you know, shy away and oh, everybody's fucking with me. Obviously, he did the, the former, right? Yeah. And fucking, um, he's from Haverville, Massachusetts, which is a small town, Massachusetts. And he actually said that in a, a one interview that I saw, that he was actually more interested in making movies than he was in making music. But being where he was at in art school in New York, it seemed more practical and like more doable to just go play at CBGB's and hope for the best than try to move out to Hollywood and not know what the fuck you're going to do there, you know? So he did that. He's got his girlfriend art school and a couple of dudes. And basically the reason he said that their first albums or EPs and stuff sound like they sound is because they were still kind of teaching themselves to play and they didn't know exactly what they were going to do. So, you know, as they started getting better, you know, it started getting a little bit better. The first album, Soul Crusher, had a, a different guitar player than the later. His name was Tom Gway, which Rob Zombie called him Tom Five, which we'll later on get to know where, where that leads to. It doesn't have too many good songs on it. That The one song that I kind of like from it is uh, Future Shop. It's, you know, it's repetitive. It's got song structure and stuff. But other than that, this album really, I didn't dig it at all. But for whatever reason, it is mentioned by other dudes as really influential. Kurt Cobain liked it. A couple other dudes were were inspired with it. So, hey, you know, I mean, sometimes even though something's not like commercially successful or, you know, or everyone's a fan of it, it still like attracts certain people. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Drop it, Buster.
that's cool i mean there are bands like that where it influences you know other people um it's interesting because yeah like when you so when you think of white zombie you think of the early to mid 90s and you you know it's kind of a trip but you're like oh shit their first album came out in 1987 you know yeah and yeah they had yeah, their first two albums were both in the 80s, and so you kind of, you know, it's kind of like, in a way, it's almost like Pantera, where they have that period that nobody acknowledges anymore right? type of deal in the 80s, and before changing their style up. White Zombie kind of has a little bit of that, too, but it's like you said when we're getting ready to start up, that White Zombie, probably one of the only bands where people weren't screaming like play some own shit (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think so so in 89 they came out with make them die slowly and they got a new guitar player this dude's name is john ricci and the songs have more structure it's more metal the guitar player is more of a metal guy obviously Rob starts evolving. He starts sounding like Rob Zombie, like the you know the the dude that we know, and it's got a couple of good things on it. Murder World has a cool riff, and the song called Revenge. That's it's a pretty cool. <laughs> So they're kind of starting to make their way into it, but then really the next one is the one, and that's La Sexorcisto. I usually don't, I don't buy into that whole thing where you have to read the whole ten word title. <laughs> you know, so I just give you whatever happens before the uh, before the colon. <laughs> so La Sexorcisto has Jay Younger on it who is the the guitar player that was with him to the end of the band 
and he's again another step in the metal direction a better guitar player you know and it shows and this one and this album's got songs welcome to planet motherfucker black sunshine thunder kiss all good shit and the and like i said these are these are the songs that i became aware of these are the songs that um that they played when i saw them live also too this was when they got on uh, beavis and butthead and the thing about the beavis and butthead thing is that you can't really kind of unless you were there at the time you can't really understand how popular beavis and butthead was because there's nothing else like it. Now you have South Park, you have Simpsons, you have a bunch of different cart- any endless cartoons you could watch if you want. Back then, they were it. You know, there was, uh, I mean, there was The Simpsons and there was Beavis and Butthead. And so a lot of motherfuckers watched that shit. And that kind of helped them, or Rob, anyway, become a, kind of a sweetheart of MTV. Which at that time was fucking awesome you know so on top of on top of uh, beavis and butthead blowing up their album rob zombie had an mtv cribs he had a celebrity death match he uh one time during headbangers ball you'd see some fool painting in the background painting the set and it was rob zombie you know doing his uh creating the set for headbangers ball he won MTV Movie Awards, MTV Video Awards. So MTV's had a lot to do with with Rob Zombie's come up, I think. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, Beavis and Butthead, like you said, it was huge. It was one of the biggest things on TV at the time. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, for me, it was the it was the show I had to sneak, you know. That was one right. of those things I was like, you're not allowed to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it was like everywhere, you know? Right. And what's interesting is the fact that some people did get a come up off of that because, like you said, that was kind of like the closest thing you got to a video going viral at the time. Right. And a lot of the times with Beavis and Butthead, when it pl- they pl- mostly play videos that they're making fun of, mm-hmm. and you watched it for that. You might not even care that much about the actual episode, but you right. wanted to see the parts of the show where Beavis and Butthead were sitting in front of that TV and making fun of uh, the video, or maybe sometimes. But they'd also, you know, the writers they'd slip in a song that they thought was badass that they wanted to mm-hmm. give a little rub to. Mm-hmm. So if Beavis and Butthead watched your video and didn't make fun of it, you know, right? It was like a big deal that happened with uh, uh, Danzig and mm-hmm. uh, Mother ninety two with that, where that was on Beavis and Butthead, and uh, they were like all about it, you know, right? And it was funny because I also remember they would play like Metallica, but it was like nothing else matters or something, mm-hmm. and they'd make fun of it. For, right for being a wuss song yeah totally that was the first time i remember um ever seeing anyone compare james headfield to the cowardly lion <laughs> was on that because that was during yeah. his time period where he looked the most like the cowardly lion and i just remember right. but his like he looks like the cowardly lion <laughs> yeah. yeah 
<laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, though, because it's interesting that Rob Zombie and White Zombie went from being this underground thing to being very mainstream. Mm-hmm. And it's really it hasn't really waned since then, at least for Rob, like everybody else in the band. It seems like they kind of all went off, kind of did their own things or didn't really do much after the fact. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, he's had um, various members of the band pop in and work with him mm-hmm. in the in the subsequent years. Um, you know, normally when you have your girlfriend in the band, it's the, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't end well. Right. Now, Rob and everybody claims that when they broke up, that didn't affect the band. Right. Which, you know, uh, which is interesting because uh, that's when Rob started dating Sherry. Mm-hmm. Was I, I didn't realize he dated her. He got with her that long ago. Right. But he was already with her when they're recording their last album type of thing, you know. Right. And apparently there wasn't any tensions with that. His ex, you know, uh, Shania Salt, or however mm-hmm. it's pronounced, she uh, she claims that after their um, after their drummer uh, John uh, Tempesta quit, um, mm-hmm. that was kind of the end of the band at that point. Right. And Rob, I guess maybe when the drummer left, he just eh, could we get an? Do we want to put to get get another new guy in here? We just had two really cool albums, like, you know. Right. And I think he just pulled the plug and was like, you know, I think I'm just going to go do my own thing and everybody else can do their own thing. Right. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of animosity there. Right. Um, well, yeah, you know, um, John Tempesta, he was a drummer. He had played with Exodus before and Testament before. More of a metal drummer than they had ever had. And um, he joined for Astral Creep, and Astral Creep was it was a another trippy album, and this one was a trip because it was kind of a um, a hybrid album in a sense. They got this producer named Charlie Clauser, and he had produced shit for Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and shit like that, and so they started using some loops, and and of course live playing. And they also started uh, down tuning to uh, C sharp like Black Sabbath in in the uh, in the Volume Four and Up days. Um, so it's a different sound, and you know, and it was quite a bit heavier, and and it worked out. It went double platinum, you know. But like you said, at that point they lose their drummer, and his bass player is his ex. So basically, it's almost just as easy to put together a new band, you know, and then all the complications are gone. You know, he's the obvious personality, you know, face of the band, creative force of the band. Not to say that the other people weren't creative, but, you know, it was kind of obvious who the driver was. Yeah. Right. So, hey, um, you know, um, as it as it often happens and, you know. I'm sure he had fucking managers in his ear and record label people and going, dude, you could get paid a lot more if you were doing this on your own. And we wouldn't have to deal with, you know, whatever it is that, you know, happens with the band dynamic. So Astro Creep comes out. 
it's got some cool songs on it. You know, it's got hits on it. But that was basically the end. It was their best-selling album, and it was the end. Yeah, sometimes that happens. <laughs> yeah, I remember her saying, I'm already dead. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. Then Rob goes on his own, and obviously that's a story for another podcast. Really, to me, just, you know, in closing, in, in the in the preparation for this, you know, I also, uh, there's not a, really a lot of material out. There's not like a Rob Zombie documentary or a White Zombie documentary or any of that. So I kind of just watched whatever I could get my hands on. And some of it, you know, I watched an old concert from White Zombie. I watched a new concert from Rob Zombie. And, you know, I mean, the obvious difference is fucking John 5, you know. Yeah. And so it's just, uh, I approve of the change, let's just say. <laughs> and yeah, and I like Rob Zombie as a band better than I liked White Zombie as a band. Yeah. At the time, it's one of those things where... Um, when Hellbilly Deluxe came out, mm -hmm. that was like the shit for a mm -hmm. lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I owned it. And I remember talking with my friends about it and the debate on, oh, you prefer White Zombie or Rob Zombie Solo? And a lot of my friends preferred White Zombie, you know? Mm. I think I was kind of in that camp at the time. I think I still am. Um Okay. I, you know, I like him solo. We're going to talk about this coming up, too. We're going to talk about some of my issues I have with solo Rob Zombie when we get to, to the next episode we do. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think I liked the vibe, the overall package of when you got, like, by the time you got to uh, Astro Creep, just the way the band put all those different elements together. Right. And kind of. Just it's a very unique, very, very unique sound. Yeah. Whereas Rob Zombie solo, at least the first album, leaned really hard into like the industrial kind of sound. Right. So there was other shit that sounded like it. It it didn't have as unique of a vibe as White Zombie did. Okay. That was how I felt about the change, you know, when I was eighteen. 
Right. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, man, you know, like, I think if they had just gotten another drummer and went ahead and made another album, I think it would have been good. Um, it probably would have been another step, you know, after uh, Astro Creep. And, you know, like I said, Astro Creep had fucking great songs on it. More Human and Humans, huge, you know, Supercharger Heaven I like, you know, so... I probably would have liked the next one. Um, but again, you know, I this is a band that I like on a purely sonic and superficial level, yeah. right? It's not a band that I, like, believe in their message. I don't know what the fuck their message is. Or, uh, you know, they don't, ha- they don't have a singer that, like, I usually like. They don't have a guitar player that solos like I usually like. So there's a lot of things about this that are not what I usually like, but still in all, I like it. And, you know, so um, so there has to be something to be said for that, that without doing the usual things, they still were able to get my attention. And when I saw them live, I thought they kicked ass. So cool. You know, uh, White Zombie was cool for to me, you know, um, not great. But they didn't suck, you know. They're yeah. they're cool. They they managed to. I think you know they broke up at the right time. They didn't get. I mean, I don't like the the noise rock albums they did, but Mm-mm. they ended it before they put out like a whack album mm-hmm. that people didn't like, you know. So most right. people only first heard of them with uh, Last Exorcisto. And then, you know, that really they're only in like the public conscience consciousness overall for really a a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, like. And I mean, I don't know if the band officially broke up in 1998, you know, yeah. but it's like, yeah, people first heard about them in like 1992 and the band was pretty much, you know. Their last release was 1996, and that was a remix album. Right. So you really have this tight window, and that's, you know, springboarded Rob Zombie to be the multimedia conglomerate that he is today. Right. Right. So I assume on the next one, we'll touch on the movies a little bit. Yeah, um, we're going to have to. You know, uh, <laughs> you know hilariously enough when i saw some of the later videos i kind of thought you know this guy could probably make movies you know but i didn't uh i always thought he would make his own movies and not necessarily go to work on some remakes of some classics that people now seem to hate him for (laughs) or whatever yeah well we'll get into that yeah we'll get into that on his episode that will hopefully won't take a fucking month in between recording yeah yeah it's things got a little whack with class and everything else i only have two classes this semester but when you're on a when you start a new job and right are in like right you know classes that are very paper heavy like i'm just writing essays mm-hmm. over and over and over again i feel and you i got one 
due the ninth i need to start getting to work on that's four thousand word minimum Mm, i got that's a good one at least on the fact that i got my rough draft down for my final paper my other class i got my eight pages of a rough draft it needs to be a minimum of 10 so i could i just need to tack on a little bit to my original draft on a different one to get it to the length i need it to be and i probably could just stand to break some of these big ass walls of text up into smaller paragraphs that'll space it out more too <laughs> but, right <laughs> um, yeah you know i mean you know hilariously enough i've been writing some papers too and even though i don't go to school <laughs> and um and you know and but we've had you know a few just out of the blue things happen you know pipe bursts in your apartment you know, fucking weird shit. So, I mean, not that we, we're trying to make a whole bunch of excuses, but, you know, it's not all our fault. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we definitely need to uh, to try to get to a uh, more consistent level. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and maybe we'll do that on the next one, which will be the Rob Zombie episode. Um. This will definitely be before 2022. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that. That's a promise. Okay, so before 2022, uh, we'll get this one out to you and uh, and the next one. So, in closing, anything? No, I think we uh, got it. That's uh, <laughs> what a All what right. a what an anticlimactic end to the episode. Kind of like the anticlimactic end to White Zombie. Right, it is totally, but it's actually not because this is officially the first time that we've ever gotten in under an hour, which was our intended time. So, we've reached a milestone, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Under an hour, the white zombie episode. Yep, it'll so, be a little longer with songs added, but still. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So... Until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world. Hey, now, wait a minute. Suck on this.
that when you die, you go to heaven, you come to us. 